I'm Connor. And I'm Campbell. And welcome to Real Geeks, the show where we talk about movies and stuff. Okay, um, so we're a week late, but uh, we had to do some pl- uh, extra planning and um, just general housekeeping things. So, but we're back. Um, mm-hmm. Nothing's changing with the original schedule. Um, we just had to take an extra week. Um, but we're back. So, in the in in that off time, Campbell and I decided. We've come up with a new series plan that we are going to be revealing right now. Um, And that is going to be a three-part series on Stanley Kubrick. And each episode is going to have... And it's going to have two movies, so six total. Um, And today is the first one, as you saw from the title. And they're not going to be in succession. Like we're not like the very next episode is not going to be the next part, but over the next probably couple of months, yeah. Um, well, before the end of the year, we'll have we'll probably have do all three parts, but the the first one's today. So today is going to be um, what did we say? Oh yeah, two thousand one: A Space Odyssey and Doctor Strange Love. Um, yeah, and we're we're gonna be going in chronological order of his filmography. So yes, um, these are both movies he made in the '60s. Um, next episode, are we, should should we reveal the films or? Um, they to... can make they can they can make their guesses as to what okay, movies yeah, we're doing. Well, You'll find out yeah, at a later date exactly what the other ones are and how we'll split it up. But just uh, keep an eye out for more Stanley Kubrick in the future. Yeah. So yeah. Um. Anyway, I guess we can get right into it. Um, do we want to do? Uh, I guess it's not a new movie, so I guess we don't really need to do a spoiler-free section. Yeah, we can we can just okay. get right into it. Um, where to start? Oh, okay. So, well, why don't we just talk about Stanley Kubrick in general, just as as a director? Yeah, yeah. Um, I until just now, I don't think I had seen any of his stuff. Um, until watching these two movies, I'm gotcha. trying to think. Um, let me look at everything just to make sure that I. Have you seen The Shining? No, I haven't. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, I haven't. Like, I haven't gotten around to a lot of them. No, I no. This is like the first thing. So all these movies that we're gonna be talking about, um, will be my first time seeing them. So, um, be fun. yeah, uh, Campbell, what about you? Um, I've seen maybe like half of his films. Um, a lot of his earlier ones I haven't seen. Uh, actually, no, wait, yeah. So, I, I've basically seen them all except for Spartacus, Lolita, and then a few of his like really, really early movies that he'd even write. Um, yeah. but like as, as for like the major ones, I've seen, I've seen most of them. Um, oh. Yeah, it, it it took me a while to like really come around to him because his style um has been like kind of described as being kind of cold um or almost kind of detached uh compared to you know other filmmakers he he he's uh he's a very he's a very distinct style his films are filmed in a very specific way and it's sometimes kind of hard um 
they just come across as very cold. I don't, I don't really know any other way to put it. Yeah. Um, I know he's he's an interesting director in that he's very meticulous. He spends years researching, or he spent years researching, uh, the films that he would make. They're all adaptations. I'm pretty sure they're they're a majority of them are adaptations of books. Um, of course, like with The Shining being a Stephen King novel. Yeah. Like Clockwork Orange is a novel. 2001. I think he. He, it's it's either based on a novel, and he also co-wrote it with Arthur C. Clarke, who's kind of in that same boat as Philip K. Dick, yep. um, and all those other '60s science or Frank Frank Herbert and all those other uh, science fiction author, uh, authors. Yeah, um, yeah. Most I think all of his films, of course, Lolita is is an adaptation of a book. They're all um, novel adaptations, and he, I mean, he's known as one of the most influential kind of american filmmakers uh even though i think in the later part of his career he actually resided in in the uk um i think he had like dual citizenship or something i think he died in the uk actually um but yeah he uh he's used like nasa equipment for some of his films barry linden which is one of the movies that we're not going to be uh i don't think we're going to be covering that film was entirely uh filmed in, with using candles in, in like natural lighting wow and so they had to he had to use nasa equipment to get like film that was like sensitive like sensitive enough to like capture to let in like that uh th- that little amount of light um you know to, to expose like the emulsions and everything so yeah uh, yeah he's a pretty pretty ambitious filmmaker and i think his final film i think he was working on Actually, no, it, maybe it was like when instead of Barry Lyndon, I think he was like working on like a Napoleon film or something, but he, he just never got around to it. And I think Ridley Scott's picking that up um, in the next like one or two years with like Walking Phoenix or something. So that'll be like, interesting. Hmm. He's, I think, yeah, Ridley, Ridley Scott's doing some sort of Napoleon biopic, but I think uh, Stanley Kubrick famously like halted his research on it to either like do Barry Lyndon or to do some other film or I, I forget, but. Okay. Um, yep. That's interesting. Um, yeah, so Campbell's going to most, I mean, as you can kind of tell, Campbell's going to mostly be leading this because I have uh, limited knowledge um, and exposure to Stanley Kubrick uh, oh, movies. Yeah. Also, you, you, know the, you know the movie Artificial Intelligence? The, um, I think it's Steven Spielberg. Yeah, I've heard of it. I think Kubrick like, originally was supposed to direct it or something but i think spielberg eventually like picked picked up that one so that's uh-huh. just another like tidbit that i didn't really know but interesting okay um credit to uh, my friend jalen who's supplying me with this information right now <laughs> what I, I have a friend in the room and he's he's also like, like a film guy so oh i um, see okay and a kubrick fan very nice um so yeah, I guess we could just start talking about. I always start with Doctor Strange Love because that was the first one. That would chronologically, that's the first one, and it's also the first one I watched. So yeah, I think that might be the first one I watched too. It it was either that one or two thousand one. Um, so yeah. So did you uh, rewatch either of these for this or? No, I haven't. I've seen I've seen both of them twice though, or maybe okay. I think I I might have seen two thousand one three times, but I, I've seen both of them twice. Okay. Um. Yeah. 2001 uh, was actually assigned for my film class this year, but I didn't have time to rewatch it. 
but like gotcha. my, I, I kind of since we like discussed it in class, I have somewhat of a good memory. I see. So this year, like this this semester, yeah, like the class I'm taking this semester, one one of the films assigned was 2001. So oh, okay, yeah. Cool. Um, yeah, I tried to get into that film class and it nobody dropped it, so I wasn't uh, able to. But I'm gonna have to try and see about doing that in like next semester or whatever. But yeah. anyway, um, I I don't know. I don't know what to say. Um, on the surface, I, I was kind of bored. Um, but I guess as it went on, I, I kind of began to like appreciate it a little bit more. Um, mm-hmm. but I, I will say in the beginning, I was pretty like, uh, I don't know. I just found myself getting distracted. Like it, I, it wasn't really capturing my, um, attention off right off the bat. Um, uh-huh. but I don't know. There are, there were some, I don't, I don't even know how to describe it. Some nuance, like little things here and there that I found pretty interesting. Um, uh, it's been a couple days since I saw it and it was late when I watched it. So I'm trying to think of where to start. Um, well, I think it's, it's interesting that like, I think he originally wanted to make like a somewhat serious movie about the cold war. But I yeah. think, like, as he like kept researching, he found like how stu- like how ridiculous it was, and then, it, it, like, out came Doctor Strangelove, which is kind of like, uh, definitely a satire. There, there are a lot of comedic elements, a ton of comedic elements. Actually, yeah, it's, it's... I think that was the issue with it for, at first because I was like, it didn't, it, it didn't really like the sat- satiricalness of it, like, didn't really set in until after a little while through watching it, and it was up until that point that I was kind of like bored. Um, but once I started to like get a good feel for like the tone of it, then yeah, I, I think yeah, that yeah. was the point when I was like, okay, yeah, now I see what's going on. Cause it was very dry, I think. So it was just kind of hard to grasp it at first. Um, but soon enough, it, the, um, what do you call it? The comedy started coming through. And then at that yeah. point was when I was like, okay, yeah. Like now I understand what's, what's going on. Um, I mean, like, even with, like, the very first scene, did you kind of, like, pick up on, like, the vibes it was given? What was the, what was the first, very first scene again? It was a scene of, like, a a plane fueling another plane in midair. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I didn't really, I thought it was weird, but I mean, I didn't really think. Well, like, people have, like, described that as, like, one of, like, the weirdest sex scenes on cinema. Because, like, in a way, Dr. Strangelove is... This whole movie is, like, filled with, like, sexual imagery. Um, And, like, there are a lot of, like, psychosexual themes behind it. Yeah, I guess I could see that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I see what you mean. Like, like, essentially, like, I think basically the whole thesis of the movie is how the Cold War is, like, this, like, competition of masculinity between the U.S. and the Soviet Union. Yeah, I definitely saw that. Like, I definitely got uh, got around to that um, theme. Um, I mean, I guess I kind of did see what you mean about the beginning. Um, yeah, it was it was a lot of those nuance like nuanced things, and sometimes some of the jokes were, like I said, a little a little dry and a little. It took a, me a little bit to pick up on. Um, but yeah, once I started 
picking up on it, I, I it, it all kind of like clicked. Um, it was also the way it was filmed seemed very. I don't, I don't know. Like, I mean, you were talking about at the beginning, kind of like disconnected and cold, and and it, it just like the way it was edited and like the camera angles and all that kind of stuff felt very. Um, I don't know how to describe it. Not choppy, but just like here's this. This is going on, and then this is going. Like it felt like yeah, like compared I, to yeah, I, I I know what you mean. And like again, I was I was having a hard time putting this into words as well. But like, um, yeah, compared to like a David Lynch movie, or just like I, I don't even know uh, Kubrick's films, they come they come off as very like matter of fact almost. Yeah, it seemed very. Um, like not, like not choppy makes it sound like a bad way it, it was very like uh like um a matter like matter of fa- like matter of fact like like this is like okay like here we got this going on and then we're gonna switch to this and this is going on and then like it it, it didn't really like it didn't flow like a traditional movie would in terms of like editing and like cinematography and all that kind of stuff um I, you'd kind of have to really see it to know what I'm, I know what I mean. I'm, it's hard. I'm having a hard time putting it into words. And I, I also feel like his characters in all of his films, um, they're not very empathetic characters. I mean, no. I, with, save for like maybe like, um, what is it like, Pads of Glory or his earlier ones, but like at least in his later films, a lot of the themes, uh, in terms of the characters and story are about like kind of like. Hum- humans like dehumanizing other humans there's just a lot of dehumanization and in that like it's just very hard to like emotionally connect with any of his characters it's almost like the characters kind of represent something rather yeah, than being exactly. themselves exactly yeah 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 that's that's perfect like um y- you engage with this like when you watch his films you don't really like you're not really connecting with a specific character or anything you're really just like watching something unfold and exactly. yeah you're right like the, the characters more often are like representations or symbols rather than like actual characters. Um, say for like a few films, but yeah, yeah, definitely. I think with these two, I would say that. Especially um, with, yeah, especially with Dr. Strangelove. I think Dr. Strangelove is probably like the biggest case of that. Yeah. Where you got like, um, you also have like Peter Sellers playing like three, three separate characters in this, mo- in this movie. Wait, what? Oh, you didn't. So, Guess what? Three there are three characters played by a single actor in this film. Did you like catch it? No, I did not. I, I was. Ah, uh, okay. Oh, I see. Oh, jeez. Yeah. So Peter Sellers plays. Um, he plays uh, the he plays Mandrake like, and Mandrake, the president. The president, and then Doctor Strangelove at the end. Um. Oh gosh, yeah. I didn't even notice that. It's the hair and then the mustache and then Yeah, I think he's huh. the president's like bald and then Mandrake has the mustache or something. And then Doctor Strange always kinda like is like blonde. Yeah, yeah, huh. yeah. What'd you I think of like the that. actual Doctor Strange love though? Well, for him being the movie being named after him, he was very, not yeah. in it for a very long time. No, he's like in it for like five minutes. I I mean, I don't know. I mean what is his I mean you could probably tell me what I I was kind of picking, trying to figure out like. I'm not sure either. His, I, he's his point, like his. I'm not sure. Like he, first of all, his name, Strange Love, obviously yeah. very strange. He's they describe him as like, isn't he like an ex-Nazi or something? 
Yeah, I mean, then there's that and whole yet, part where he's in the wheelchair and he's like having, he's like in, involuntarily doing like the Nazi yeah. salute. And then like, but then he's like the one who's like plan they like all agree upon at the end or something. Remember, he like he like brings up the some... bunker. He's like talking about like all the tunnels and stuff, and he's yeah, like, oh, and then yeah, and then he's go. like, we'll have like five women for every man or something. And then that one guy gets like really excited. So again, like these themes of like masculinity and like sexual sexual power. Um, yeah. Like a satire of that, obviously, but like, yeah, like he's a, it's a weird character. Like he's only in it for like five minutes, but like the whole movie's named after him. Yeah. Which I, I was, cause I was watching it and I was like, where is like, like they haven't revealed like Dr. Strangelove, like who yeah. he is. And then he finally came out, I came out from like the table at that, at near the end part of the movie. Um, mm-hmm. the thing I noticed with this one and kind of with 2001 is like, there's almost like a, a trend of just like, okay, here everything is just going like wrong. Like yeah. everything is like, uh, but not in like a simple way. Like, for example, you've got like the people on the plane and then you've got the people like the government and all that kind of stuff. And it's like subjectively for everyone, everything that's going to go that, like everything contradicts itself. Like everything. Oh like, yeah. The government is trying to do everything to keep the bombs from going off, but everything and is the only way they could do that from being able to do that. And then the people on the plane are trying to trying to drop the bombs and everything's trying to keep them from doing that. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Cause like yes. the plane, the plane malfunctions, they've got, they're spending all this time trying to read the directions. It's almost like what, from the p- perspective of the, the crew of the plane, it's like, okay, this is never going to work because they can barely get through the directions. They can barely, uh, figure out how to get there. They're going to run out of gas. They were hit by a, um, a missile. They're not going to make it. And then from the perspective mm-hmm. of the government, they're like, oh, the plane is getting close. The plane's going to get there. They're not going to be able to stop it from dropping the bombs. So from each perspective, it's like things are going wrong, but like in separate. Is that, does that make sense? Yeah. So like just like all the contradictions and like the ridiculousness kind of highlights just how like just ridiculous the whole situation is, I guess. And how yeah. kind of just chaotic. Because like aren't they... He's like trying to prevent a war, but like it, they prevent the war by like starting the war. Like, is, don't they have like some secret weapon? Again, I haven't seen this. Yeah, because the whole twice, thing is but... like they're. It's gonna blow the that one general guy at the base is like crazy, and he like yeah, he's sent, insane. He told all the planes to go like attack Europe. I mean, not Europe, attack Russia, and then the president finds out, blah blah blah, and then there's that um the guy from Russia, the like diplomat whoever whatever whatever his name is yeah. comes in and he's like oh yeah so and then they t- he talks to like the the part where the president's talking to dimitri, the, guy, the bomb the dimitri the hydrogen bomb yeah that part's a problem the, the conversations between them is probably the funniest part yeah um but anyway so like they basically find out that there's this like um world ending like, like a death machine thing, right? Death machine thing. And like if they drop if the plane drops the bomb, then it's gonna go off and like destroy the entire world. Uh-huh. Um but yeah, so that was basically so but yeah, like you said, like it's like one it's just oh, they're gonna do this, then we're gonna do this, and then they're gonna do this, and then we're gonna do this. Well, if you do that, then 
we have this contingency plan set up. But if you have that contingency plan set up, then we're going to, we have this one set up. Um, yeah. So it was definitely playing on like that whole back and forth kind of um, and, thing. And like even, even more so, like, you know how there was all this, uh, there's kind of like the whole uh, espionage thing where, you know, there's spies on both sides kind of infiltrating or whatever. And yeah. in, at the end, like, literally when they like reveal like there's nothing they can do and like the world's about to end. The Russian dude like makes like an attempt to like snap a picture of like the room or something to like send back to Russia. So again, like just how like ridiculous it is that literally like the world's about to end and he's still like trying to like yeah uh, like leak information or whatever. Um, yeah, and also um, James Earl Jones is like in this for some reason. Yeah, I saw that. I saw him in the credits at the beginning, and then yeah. So I was keeping an eye out for him, and then I saw him on the, he was on the plane. As like a like an engineer kind of guy. Yeah, honestly, like I again, I haven't finished. You know the novel Catch Twenty Two. Yeah, I've I haven't heard of finished. It. I I keep like starting it and never finishing it. But I think they actually these two things came out like Strange Love and Catch Twenty Two. I think came out around the same time. But they they're both kind of like highlight the absurdity of. I mean, Catch Twenty Two is about World War Two, not about the Cold War. Um, but they both are about kind of. These people and these bureaucrats and pilots and stuff um, going through like the absurdity of war. Yeah. Um, and they're both like kind of funny in like really dark ways. But gotcha. Yeah, I, I think that's the thing is like the characters themselves were very dry, like we said, and that's kind of what made me feel a little bit like bored. Yeah. And there's also, there was also between this and 2001 Space Odyssey, more 2001 Space Odyssey. There are like a lot of like, um, what most would say unnecessary like pauses of like no dialogue, um, or like just frame like shots of just like, like the plane. Like they're kept they kept showing shots of the plane like over and Mm -hmm. over. Like every time, like after it had been well established, like the plane and all that stuff they would keep showing like similar shots of the plane which i will say those were pretty funny too because it was like clearly like a superimposed plane on some like video of like the mountains and all that kind of stuff um which i found kind of which i found pretty funny but it was just like the combination of the dryness of the characters and then like there were just some really long shots of like the same thing over Mm -hmm. and over again again more with like 2001 space odyssey but I think that's kind of what made me feel a little bit more like bored and um, distracted at the beginning. But then once it all kind of came together in terms of like what it was representing and what it was um, trying to communicate through satire, then I was kind of like, okay, yeah, like now I can, now I can see like yeah. why they, why the, the emphasis was kind of placed off the characters and more on the general theme and why the, there are some of these, weird interesting shots and, and and that kind of thing i mean like the guy just pulls out a like machine gun out of his oh yeah like his office desk. oh my gosh actually as I, soon as, I knew he was gonna kill himself i knew that was gonna happen yeah he's kind of like the the macho dude that it's kind of the reason why all their troubles are happening right doesn't he like start the whole thing and he just yeah, he's, a, he's a crazy guy that like yeah and he's complaining about like the floor, the government like flirting the water to like, um, 
and it like impedes his essence or something again yeah, like yeah. More... he kept talking about bodily fluids bodily fluids yep so like again more like sexual kind of undertones i did him. get that yeah that was definitely and there are a lot yeah. there are a lot of shots with him like smoking cigar or cigars again like phallic imagery um sigmund freud is is typing yeah like this is like probably the most like one of the most freudian films the whole yeah, shot with like the guy that, yeah. with the guy um on the bomber like on the atomic bomb between his legs yeah again yeah so yeah a lot of I will say, lot Freud of, uh, is most of Freud's stuff is kind of stupid but it is still you can kind of like see the connections here I guess at this time it wasn't totally considered stupid but um I mean we don't we still don't consider Freud stupid like it's 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 like a valuable some uh, of his stuff perspective like psycho psychological perspective well some of study. it is but all the like phallic imagery and all that kind of stuff has like been widely discredited uh i'm not a so. psych major so i don't well you are you're am, mr psych so. major so you're you're the top expert yeah, on this topic i think it's just kind of like the mindset with freud is like okay so yes like psycho uh like the whole like unconscious mind and all that kind of stuff yes uh -huh. that's true the eating the ego right the yeah, yeah, yeah. Super ego. Well, well the even the ego and the super ego can't really be tested or anything. So that was that's yeah. the issue with Freud is he's like, okay, this is how I interpret things, and yeah. there's no way to disprove it, so I'm right. Yeah, that's basically it, the issue with Freud. None of his just, stuff just is false. Right? None of his stuff is like falsifiable. Mm -hmm. So there's no way to prove or disprove anything that he he did, but he it's did set up a lot there. of stuff. He did set up a lot of stuff that other people, other psychologists ended up being able to advance on, like mm -hmm. the unconscious mind and um, if the impact of like your parents and all this kind of stuff. But just Edible because you complex. had a no, just because you it... had a dream about, I don't know, uh, climbing a mountain and seeing a dog doesn't mean you want to have sex with your mom. Like, isn't that the Oedipal complex? Oedipus. Ed oh, it's Oedipus? I thought it was just yes. like the Oedipal. What the heck does that even mean? Like O-E-D-I-P-A-L. What is that word? Oedipal? What does okay, that never mean? Mind. It's, Oedip it's Oedipus. Never mind. I yes, thought it was just like another you, way you to read, say Oedipus. You, we read about Oedipus. Oh, no, 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 it is. It's O-E-D-I-P-A-L. Oedipal. Like an Oedipal. It's a way to like... Because I think describe. Oedipal is like the adjective. This is the name of the Oedipus. guy. Yeah, so like... Yeah, Oedipal is a word. Relating okay, or characterized by an Oedipus complex. Right. Okay, yeah, we're both right. Point is, Edible. yes, this is representative of his stuff, but I want to make it clear that all of the phallic imagery and, okay, like a cigar represents this. I mean, there, he famously said, I can't, like, I don't... He... say it again. I think Kubrick was very intentional with, like, the amount of phallic. Like, this oh, is no, such... definitely. Yeah, yeah. Like, and I'm saying in this context, it's fine. I'm just saying in the context of while we're on yeah, the topic like, of Freud, I want to just take a moment to acknowledge gotcha. that most of his stuff is not widely accepted within the. Um, well, it's not taken psychology. as like objective fact. Yeah, no one takes it as like, oh, this is 100% accurate. It's just well, people used people used to and it used to be a, oh, uh, like okay. a pretty valid uh, like psychosexual stages and all that kind of stuff like. His all his huh. stages about like, oh, like when you're this age, you 
Yeah, it's like um, an oral have fixation. Have this like aggression, uh, oral fix, all that oral fixation, and then like phallic yeah. symbols and all that. That's like none of that. Is, he he just had a couple patients and was like, okay, this is how I interpret this, and uh-huh. this is what I think is true, and then. Like I said, it's not falsifiable, so there's no really way, no real way to be like, okay, this is or is not true. So yeah. Um, but anyway, but yes, in this context, there definitely is yeah. some Freudian, um, traditional Freudian Imagery. symbolism. Yes. Um. All right. Cinematography, though, I think it's it's a very nicely shot film. That oh, there are yeah. a lot of like nice stark contrasts between the blacks and whites. I think the black and white definitely. Um, works yeah definitely um, and it, at this point was that an a choice or was it at this time because I, I i didn't really look i feel like this the color was pretty common at this point was it not i mean it's the 60s so we've had color films for maybe like 30 years at this point really yeah like like wide, um, like, like widely uh, used though yeah yeah well, I, this is definitely a stylistic choice Okay, um, because let's think of like like other 60s films are like uh sound of music right or um what's another like 19 19- mary poppins i think might have been 1960s yeah and even in the 50s we had color films like uh what is it sing in the rain right um yeah i mean actually not sing in the rain is actually technicolor which is a whole whole other process but yeah no i think yeah black and white cinematography here is definitely a uh stylistic choice it wasn't like it out says of that in 1954 50 percent of movies were uh color yeah so i think sing in the rain and like what is it wizard of oz wizard of oz might have been the 40s right oh 1939 yeah so i think wizard of oz i think people say is like the first i don't know how true this is but they're like this is the first technicolor film or a film used that uses like the technicolor yeah. technology um yeah. and then yeah you have like wizard of oz another or sorry sing in the rain in the 50s so i think it's like I guess, yeah, it's 50-50, like you said, maybe, so... Well, that was in the mid... That was 54. So by the oh, okay, time yeah, this think... came out, it was definitely... Yeah, yeah, it's... De- yeah, they had they definitely had color color films in the 60s, as we'll see with um, 2001. So, but yeah, yeah I mean, technically... that's what I was getting at, too, is, like, this was kind of... This was probably a... Definitely a stylistic choice to yep. film it in black and white. Mm-hmm. Um... I'm trying to think. Uh, I the other thing is like there were some more obvious like gags. I think like the gun in the the office. Um, him on the phone with the with the Russia guy, the president on the phone with the guy from Russia. Um, and then when the guy pulled, then the pilot pulled out like the cowboy hat. Oh yeah, yeah. Like, what? There's also the Coca-Cola one that like I never find funny. Like, I think it's like like the most like, it's the dumbest joke. No, see, I thought that I actually did think that was pretty funny. <laughs> I think it's like the dumb. No, I think it's it's the dumbest joke. No, but, like... I think, but it, I that that's beyond its time. Like I, I I feel like I could see that in like a meme or like TV show Maybe. today or something. Maybe that was just that humor. You'll just have to answer to the what does he say? Like you'll have to answer to the, the Coca-Cola, Coca-Cola company. Corporate? No, the Coca-Cola yeah. Corporation. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh okay, maybe that's God. funny. I that whole sequence crazy. of him of uh, what's his name? Uh, shoot. Uh, Mandrake. Uh, Mandrake trying to get the military guy to like listen to him was so annoying, but also like really hilarious. 
Like yeah. he's just not listening to him at all. Um, as he's trying to like, and it's kind of like the whole, that's the, the whole time you're like waiting for, it's almost like, don't look, I, I hate to compare it to don't look up. Cause don't look up is like not nearly at the poor, at the like status of this, but it's like the sim, you have a similar, not yeah, they're both satires, right? Yeah. A similar frustration mm-hmm. of like, oh my gosh, everything keeps going wrong. No one's going to listen to the people that are like, no, no, there's no communicate. Like the communication is awful. Like no one's listening to anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody, everything keeps contradicting. And then by the end of it, it all just by falls the end apart. of it, like they're literally in the hands of this ex-Nazi guy who's wants to like put people in tunnels and is like actually insane. So yeah, yeah. So, and uh, I do love how the endings is really nice when. Uh, it cut. It just cuts to we'll meet again, and then the yeah. atomic bomb. Yeah, just... they all. Everything just everything's blowing up. I had seen that clip of the guy in the bomb before, but I didn't realize what it was from until now. Uh but as soon as I saw him sitting on it, I remembered the scene. So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, I guess we can move on to two thousand one. We're about a little over thirty minutes in. Gonna keep this. All right, two thousand one. Ooh. This I is... I I like this one better. Yeah, um, I, I I do like this one. I think this is his best film. I mean, uh, hot take, right? Like, you know, yeah, not a I lot mean, of people think 2001's that good, but uh, yeah, I, I think you're definitely in the minority there. <laughs> yeah, most people think this is a terrible film. Actually, so. it's got te- it's yeah, like on yeah, it. I'm I, surprised I would, if you've if you guys even heard of this movie. Okay, it's that's so underground enough. And... Um. <laughs> 2001 imposter among us the among us imagery no, don't please please don't the, please don't taint this podcast he clearly by discussing he among clearly us. ripped off uh please, among please us. don't don't do this don't Let's, taint let the me just start let film. me i've got so much to talk about i mean okay. why in the world would he pick multicolored spacesuits because what if spacesuits were just multicolored and uh, the whole the whole part of um, the guy he the yellow like when the yellow space the guy in the yellow spacesuit is like floating around it like literally looks like the like the part where it's like so and so was Foster okay yeah I'll, I'll give you that 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 is pretty similar <laughs> and then um what was the other one I saw uh they're doing t- he's they're all doing tasks. Mm-hmm. On the spaceship, yep. There was an imposter among them, or was there? Oh yeah, that is true. Yeah, was there an imposter? Anyway, um, I mean, that's all I'm gonna say. But wow, you, you, that, that's you very take, there's, take there's that, so, uh, take so that evidence. Thanks for, uh, thanks for talking about Among Us. I actually I'm just, no, that, that I'm is just kinda, here to they, present the facts true um so. 2001 this is this is a land piece of landmark cinema okay i think yes. honestly like if i no i'm not even joking like if i had to make a list of like top tie top five like best movies of all time 2001 would be on that list um firstly like the fact that this was like filmed in like the 60s like 68 1968 yeah i like, know i kept doing i kept like, thinking that I have no trouble believing that like 
people like you know the conspiracy theory that like kubrick like helped like fake the moon landing or whatever like Bro. that is in, that was like entirely within his reach because this is like all of this was miniatures all the and space I know, scenes yeah. i mean compare I it to star like, wars like star wars looks good but this looks even better than star wars and this it, is nine years before yeah and it's it's it looks so real like you can't even argue how real it looks um i think just that alone is just so impressive um it's it's almost it's kind of timeless in that way where uh yeah it, it, it it's completely believable uh but yeah and this also came out during the 60s I'm, I'm like quoting some of what i learned in class but apparently like at least hollywood in the 60s there weren't that many kind of great films coming out i think it was known as like uh the decade where like genres went to die and you'd get stuff like gosh western musicals and stuff just kind of uh you know not not that great uh films coming out i think the best picture one of the best picture winners in like the 60s was like sound of music which it's an all right what do you got what do you have against sound of music i don't know it's it's all right it just tells you about like the quality of movies coming out not that not that sound of music is like terrible quality but it's just like I'm, I'm not. I'm not a big of a oh sound music guy myself. An, I'm more of a Mary Poppins guy. I'm more of a Mary Poppins. Okay, like, I will, yeah. Mary Poppins slaps. Um, but anyway, yeah. Like, imagine this movie coming to your theaters in the '60s. In like, yeah, I know. That's exactly. Like, this what is I like. Kept... Yeah. Yeah, like this is it's 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 insane. This is probably like a filmed acid trip. Especially the, the like the final sequences, yeah. Like imagine like ha- not having, never having seen anything like this before, and then seeing this wait, see, like on a huge no. screen. Okay, wait a minute. Give me a second here. We've got 1960s. We've got Psycho. We've got, we've got Again, Rosemary's not Baby. American. The good, the not bad, American. the ugly. Not American. Oh, we were talking right. specifically American. Oh yeah, well, think of what's playing in Hollywood. Like this is. Oh okay, yeah yeah like, yeah. Good to make ugly is Italian, right? Sergio Leone, Rosemary's Baby, Roman Polanski. I think, actually, no. Was he? Actually, no, I've never seen Rosemary's Baby, so I'm not an expert. I, Roman okay, I'm sorting it by Polish. U.S. Okay, Psycho still. Uh, Psycho. I mean, Hitchcock's US. British, but I'm, I'm not, it might have had like a U.S. release. I don't know. Uh, like, look up like American films. From the sixties, I, I I don't think there are that many that are like extremely notable. I think the fifties again, there are a lot, just a lot of westerns, um, like musicals, things like that. Yeah, I guess I guess I guess you're right. To kill a mockingbird. Yeah, like I don't know, like not particularly like groundbreaking stuff. But then, Butch Ca- have who- you seen Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kids? Pretty good. Western, right? Yeah. What do you got against Western? No, I don't have anything against Western, so I'm just saying, like... Uh... Anyway. This movie... How about, anyway, anyway. How about the Batman... How about the Batman movie? Batman and Robin. With, uh, what's his name? Adam West? Yes. Oh. Never mind. I think that's... That, that tops the charts. The OG Magnific- Magnificent Seven? Well, anyway, okay... Besides okay, revolutionizing, revolutionizing the medium, okay, we also have uh, a film that like revolutionizes science fiction, 
Exactly. Because again, before before this, you have films like, you know, like the Forbidden Planet. Um, you, I think that's like solidified. Yeah, no, this solidified science because again, before it was like you know you'd have aliens and they're like little cartoon Green, kind little of creatures, gray, and you'd have like people. You know, it's very futuristic and kind of this, um, like, like retro eighties really like, kind of look. Not or not eighties. What not am I talking about? Not grounded at all. Like it's like completely like. Like literally yeah, out of this world. Like more just, so fantasy than than actual like science. I science guess, fiction. fiction. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I I really think like Forbidden Planet's probably the best representation of that kind of era of science fiction films. You yeah. Know, you have the saucers, um, flying saucers and robots and stuff. But yeah, this is probably one of the first films, and it went on to influence basically every science fiction film that came after it. Um, Star Wars, Alien. Um, yeah. Yeah, I definitely basically saw the any... parallels between Star Wars and Alien. Yeah, this it's 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 a super influential movie. Anyway, even though it is technically an American film because Kubrick um, is an American, uh, it it kind of plays out like a foreign film. It 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 feels makes, like uh... almost like an alien transmission almost. Um, it. Did you kind of get that vibe? Like it, it feels alien or kind of extraterrestrial. It doesn't really feel like um, American in that sense. Did you kind of? Um, I'm not sure what you mean. I don't know. Like it. First of all, like un- unlike most films of the time, I guess it it its narrative is not like super straightforward, right? Oh yeah, you're right. It's it's divided more into nuanced. Yeah, it's divided. It's divided into three sections. Or I think three sections. You know, you have. Well, it was. Um. <laughs> what is it? The dawn of man. The dawn right? of with, man. With the, <laughs> we we get the early human creatures. The, mo- the then, monkeys, bro. Um. You have. I forget the middle one. There's a middle section. I forget the name. Where and they get... You have. The Saturn, right? Isn't Saturn? No, no, no. Here, here. Let me. Then so... They go to one of the moons of Saturn. They go to no. They go to the moon. Oh, they go to the moon. Okay, my bad. And then the third one is they go to Jupiter, or like one of the rings, or yeah. moons of... I think it was Jupiter. Yes, um, it was Jupiter. Yeah, so it's, it's... First of all, it's split up in this very strange kind of operatic way. With, yeah, with multiple and they're not acts. all so clearly, like... Connected. C- connected, There's, yeah. And yet, but, and yet there is a through line between them. Yes. With the monoliths, and you have this, like, repeated imagery... You know all those shots of like the kind of the the silhouettes of the planets and they're all kind of like aligned. the sun or something and then it's like lined up under the they're all monolith. lined up yeah so there's this yeah. repeated like imagery and and it, it connects them in a very like loose way um there's just this, this theme of like alignment um yeah and you have this monolith popping up uh which I'm interested to like hear your thoughts on the monoliths because okay that's probably I mean we the can get into it. Part. Let's um, the monkey, the monkey scene or scenes. I, I, oh my, they're just so weird. Cause like, so I watch it with Brady. Shout out to Brady, who's in the other. He's got his headphones on. He's watching. Oh, a show. Um, but I watch it with Brady. Um, we were like, the monkeys were weird because it was like they had because it was literally people in like costumes. They had like. Mm-hmm human proportions like their legs were just way too long but they look like monkeys 
And then they also like they didn't really make like monkey noises. They were making like guttural like yeah. like deep. Well, yeah, they're not they're not really monkeys. They're they're supposed to be like really early like yeah, I know. It's just like or something. they were like freaky, like really like because they're yeah, because it's kind of uncanny because of how human they are, right? Yeah, yeah. There was like definitely Gordy. a very like stop. <laughs> then there were there was a little there were some real chimpanzees that they show for a little bit. I guess they were trying to make them seem like oh, really? they were like kids. Yeah. Oh, I didn't see that. Yeah, if you go back and watch, you can like tell that they're like real, and they're like the only ones in the frame. Like I think it was one of those instances where they they had like a fiberglass wall, and then they had the other people behind them, mm. and it was it's like two real chimps. Um, and again, and like, oh, yeah, keep going. Go ahead. Oh, again, like I remember watching this. Like again, it just like amazes me how like the just the realism and just how they were able to pull it off because it. I mean, like obviously the monkeys like don't look like extremely real or whatever. Like you can tell they're humans, but I don't. The whole scene. It, it it feels very naturalistic like it, it feels like almost if, if you're just kind of like watching this play out it, it almost doesn't feel like a movie at points so i don't yeah, know yeah it's just i will say um there were like they're in the like a desolate wasteland so that kind of took me out of it like there's no fair, way yeah, that they're, they're like surviving isolated. here like yeah. with little to no plant life and just these pig things um yeah there was that there's that standoff um thing like where the uh, that the other gang of I, never, I'm not going to finish saying that. Um the other group of monkeys monkey people things shows up and then the one of them just like beats him up with the bone. Well, what happens before they beat him up with the bone? The monolith thing comes yeah, in so, yeah, and gives kinda... them the knowledge to make weapons. Yeah, it, they uh progress. They they give they evolve some sort of technological progression. They yeah, that's exactly what I was. As soon as they started messing with the bone and started making like figuring out how to make tools, I was like, yeah, that's definitely from the the mono the monolith thing. Um, and I think there are, like there have been scientists who have said that like this movie has the most like realistic depiction of what like a human encounter with like an alien life form would look like well there's no way to know what what do you mean like you could literally a human interaction with an alien life form could literally be anything because like these monoliths are like so like alien in that like they just don't correspond with our understanding of like yeah they're like they feel like they're almost just like abstract entities so like if anything's truly alien it's these monoliths that are just so like they're not kind just going to necessarily be like gray humanoid people with like big yeah, eyes like, and a yeah, that's yeah, true. like and yeah, these these monoliths are just like the most kind of surreal, kind of extraterrestrial type things that just don't align with our like knowledge you just can't or like, ma- you can't yeah you can't logically decipher what they are yeah. Um, um, yeah, that's true. I think that definitely captures this because it's kind of like with a lot of alien movies, it's kind of like, oh yeah, this is like a monster. Like there's a monster. Yeah. We gotta like fight the monster. We gotta hide from the monster. We gotta blah blah blah. This no is it's just kind of like Scott. no, like aliens, amazing. And watching this kind of, I, I I really wanna I gotta rewatch Alien and Aliens. Um, but oh, this yeah. is like a whole different kind of like a mystery would be an understatement. It's just like you can't even process. It's very perplexing. Yeah. Yes. 
And um, you have you have the jaguar, right, or the cheetah type thing. There's like a yeah. really like quick shot of it, and its eyes it jumps glowing. down. Yeah. And like I didn't notice this like either of the times I watched it, but like my like TA brought this up to where like you could kind of parallel like that that glowing red eye with with Hal, right? Because they're both kind of like the predators in their respective environments or whatever. Oh. Um hmm. I I I, know, I didn't make this connection at all, but like I didn't even notice the the eye really, but I saw I it guess... was glowing, but not like red like Hal or anything. Oh yeah, but it's it just like, like a white. Just the, the emphasis on the eye, I just thought yeah, was I, yeah, kind of yeah. interesting. But yeah, you get the the super famous match cut between when he throws the bone up and then we transition how many ever years in the future with that uh what I, I think it's supposed to be some sort of nuclear weapon. So um then that's how we kind of transition into the next section of the film. Yeah. Um, I thought it would, the other thing we noticed is like the begin, like the beginning of the second section, you've got like, um, Pan Am <laughs> is like the company that's like doing oh, the, yeah. the flight of that one, like and business guy in the Hilton, like logos everywhere. Oh, I didn't notice that. I noticed that when he, when he went, showed up to that, like basically like stop before he went to the moon. Um, oh, that there was like the computer was like an IBM computer. I just found it funny that it was like two companies that have since like gone just about belly up. IBM mm-hmm. not not as much as um, Pan Am, but I just thought that was funny that out of all the like companies they picked, they picked the airline that like went out of business within like tw- twenty or so years after that movie came out, and then uh. IBM, which is obviously now like not really that big deal anymore um mm-hmm. but i just thought that was kind of like it was an inter- it's an interesting like yeah it's um, interesting like contextually like for the time that it was made it's kind of yeah it's just interesting it, kinda, to see how it that... kind of and it kind of adds to like the um the vibe of everything because it's like there's this 60s undertone of like like the outfits are very 60s um and like the coloring and all that kind of stuff but it's still like it looks like it's got futuristic technology so there's this kind of blending of um times or yeah blending yeah 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 blending of like real and fake and um Mm -hmm. past and i mean present and future at least for them um yeah that's interesting i didn't i didn't really talk think about pan am or anything so so and that's the thing that I talk about in Blade Runner is it's kind of it's also like a blending of like um the familiar and the unfamiliar. So mm-hmm. it's not like we said about the science fiction stuff before like it's not just crazy aliens and going to planet made up planets like it's a Pan Am flight to a Hilton mm-hmm. hotel in space that has IBM yeah. computers and people are doing business meetings. Um, and th- like it's it's like a blending of what was familiar and what could what they thought could be, um, which kind of adds to like this liminality um, of like the entire like uh, just like the movie and the thought the just the vibe of everything kind of makes it a little bit it's connected but it's disconnected at the same time. 
So and like speaking of like familiar, you have like FaceTime, right? Yeah, the, I did see that too. That whole yeah, that whole like little scene where he talks to his daughter or his son or something, and yeah. it's like a it's like a really early FaceTime. I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. Um, but yeah, do you hear that beeping? No. Okay. Sorry, there's. Oh no, I hear it. It's fine. Uh, um. Yeah. Okay. So oh, okay. But wait, we're gonna let. We're gonna need to take a just a brief. Break Is there a fire? A fire drill. Um. Wait a minute. I'll be right back. Oh my. All right, I'm back. Um, we have a 3D printer in the room. Well, I don't have a. Th- you have a 3D we... printer in your room? Yeah, my, uh, Brady, oh. my roommate has one, and we are oh, printing cool. something, and we needed to change the filament because we're doing a different color. Um, oh, that's cool. I didn't know that. I 3D printed Anakin's lightsaber and painted it. I have to put it together. Oh my, that's cool. Anyway, where were we? I apologize for the uh, disruption. Uh, we were talking about like kind of like the. Uh, second section. Yeah, just kind of like the the aesthetic, the sixties. Yeah, aesthetic. yeah, yeah. I think I, it's it's all it's one of my favorite like aesthetics, not just in film, but just like in art and all that kind of stuff. Like with um, I don't know. You've got uh, the retro imagery combined with like futuristic scientific science science fiction imagery. Um, mm-hmm. I think like Metropolis, I guess would be an interesting example too. It's kind of a different, it's a different time period, but it's the same kind of concept. Um, mm-hmm. but I think I always found that pretty cool or like, I guess the Jetsons could be another, I mean, it's animated, but it's still a, a, a similar kind of thing. Um, I just find that or like the fallout video game or something. Yeah. Like fallout, you know, yeah. Fallout's a perfect example. Uh, yeah. you've got like old fashioned radios, but you've got like robot butlers um like but, analog technology in, a, in like a futuristic exactly world or something yeah i think that digital. i've always found that pretty fascinating um but yeah i guess the second part of it was kind of i felt like there was a lot it, it didn't really get super super interesting until the third part i feel like um yeah the second part's kind of like the guy comes in and then he talks to those people a little while yeah. about like, oh yeah, there's something going on, but I'm not at liberty to tell you what's going on. And then, then yeah, for a while they're like just sitting there eating, and then he gets on another plane. And there's oh, that's what that's all these pods. Eat some sandwiches, right? Does he, does he yeah. eat some sandwiches? <laughs> yeah, like and then and you have the cool scenes of the of the stewardess on the spaceship like walking in a circle and yeah. They, like, just like the whole the cool uh, apparatus in which they they film those are pretty neat. I just, I will say, I feel like they should could have designed it. it. It it seems like a I don't know if it's intuitive or not intuitive. It just seems like an awkward and disorienting way to design a spaceship. Like they they tried to ground it all. Like everything's like grounded, and there's like yeah, like, yeah artificial the instruction gravity. Manual. The instruction manual to use like the the gravity zero gravity toilet thing, right? Yeah, like it's it's grounded yet it's all circular. So like I feel like it'd be I, I I'd get like super sick. 
Um, yeah. And there's like windows everywhere. So you're like seeing everything spinning around you. Mm-hmm. Um, I just found that like, ugh. I feel like that'd be really disorienting. Um, I will say that that's cool that they kind of like predicted, not really predicted, but like this, like the space station, like ISS mm-hmm. kind of thing. There's definitely a lot more like mo- a whole moon base and all that kind of stuff. They were kind of a little beyond our capabilities in, in 2001, but some of it um, was pretty, pretty close. Uh, mm-hmm. I guess I think a lot of it is is a lot more relevant now than it would have been back then. Um, I think with like AI and all that kind of stuff, that was a big thing that Brady and I found ourselves talking about. Like, um, it's funny to just be like, oh, ha ha ha, like, this is crazy, but it's really not. And it's kind of terrifying. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, um, I don't know. It's just like listening to Hal talk kind of reminds me of like some of the prototype stuff that's that i've been seeing around on the internet over the last couple years or so and it's just kind of like could we are we going to get to this point yeah like all the 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 ai like art (laughs) websites and everything it's like well even even beyond like have you seen that lady that like she can have like full conversations no i don't like with you there's like this and there's this ai robot and i think um I don't remember what her name is, but she's it's just like the a bust of, of some or like just a torso. There's like she's not full body, but mm-hmm. you can talk to her and she makes like obviously it's very uncanny because it's like not mm-hmm. totally there yet, but they make she makes eye contact when, with you when you talk, responds to like your facial features, um and like oh. can carry out a conversation. It's basically like Alexa, but on steroids um but yeah it's freaky and then like the people like the the ai's like playing chess and all that kind of stuff yeah um well again we haven't we haven't reached like actual artificial intelligence like everything we have now is just machine learning right yeah and it's just mimicking yeah like we 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 are yet to like actually invent but i think we are we are sort of quickly we are quickly making progress in that field i think oh yeah yeah so i mean before you and i die i think we'll definitely we might have something i'm willing to bet we'd have something close to hell if not Mm. what that is um but i don't know it's it's uh it's it's a exciting but kind of terrifying terrifying thing i mean terminator i mean uh hopefully we don't we never get to that point um but anyway yeah the second segment i i it was just the other thing we found brady and i thought was funny is like it goes to the part like there's this whole segment of like them landing on the moon and oh, yeah. it takes like forever like there's it, it, the sequence is like so long there's this movie just has like i need like a chart of like dialogue it would be like no dialogue for like five minutes and then talking and then no dialogue for like five there's a lot of breaks in well i'd argue that it's it's a very hypnotic film though yeah like it's really easy to lose yourself in it like imagine seeing this in like with the biggest screen possible um with like surround sound yeah right like it this would be like really easy to just just become like hypnotized to the screen 
I did find myself hypnotized. It was just like kind of like, oh my gosh, like there are so yeah, many. There's a lot of yeah, of just like okay, we're watching no dialogue, this, watching this spaceship land, and it just kept yeah. cutting and and showing a new angle of the spaceship landing, like the lander landing mm. at the moon, the moon base or whatever. Um, and then the other thing we were talking about was like, so they spend billions of dollars. To build a moon base, build, bring all of this material, bring it all to the moon, build it, just to hold a meeting on the moon. Oh, I'm sure it's like for more than that, right? Like I know they... it's just like what else are they doing on the moon that justifies them having this massive uh, sure. base? Like what? <laughs> like well, it seems like they're, they're doing. Ex- they're things... excavating. They're excavating the the monolith, right? Well, yeah, but do you think they built the base before or after they found out about the monolith? I think it's. I would assume it's after, because the way he's talking about the the base seemed to be when they was having the conversation with the people about like what was going on. It seemed like the Uh base was pretty well established before this controversy started. My point is like, why build a moon base to just do things you could do on Earth? (laughs) That's true. They could have just had the meeting on Earth and then like went up to the moon to investigate. Yeah, like he's like, oh yeah, so so sorry, honey. I'm I gotta travel again. I'm I got a meeting on the moon. I'll be back in about three weeks. Has like really generic about, meeting. I'll be back in about six weeks. But Or would it be like three days for her since like you experience time differently in Oh my in space, gosh. Right? That was the other thing interstellar? is that, I was Oh Interstellar. Was Again, another film influenced by by this movie. I was just about to say that. Because Brady's yeah. seen Interstellar, but I haven't seen that. So oh, okay. after this we decided we'd um we'd watch it sometime. But um, yeah, the parallels between new movies, I think, definitely gives this a lot more like it. it I found it. I, I thought it was really cool just to see like, yeah, I mean, the panning, the pan, the panning, like the shots of the ships and all that stuff is mm-hmm. very much like Star Wars. And then the whole like um, going, but going inside the ships and stuff like that definitely reminded me of like Alien and all that kind of stuff. Um but it was yeah, really the whole mother. Fun. Remember in Alien, how she like, or they contact like they go in that room to contact like mother, who's like, kind of like their computer on board. That that all yeah. seems very kind of two thousand one. Definitely, definitely. Um, but yeah, like the second segment ends where they they kind of they're all in the suits, right, and they kind of gather around the the monolith, and there's that interesting shot of him like reaching out to touch it, and then don't they like. They try to take a picture or something, and then you get this really high frequency noise. There's like the ringing, yeah. And they're all like suffering. I think you're supposed to assume that maybe kills them. Uh, and then that it just, ends, just ends. Yeah. Um, I didn't think you. I didn't assume it was just to kill them. It was gonna. Well, it's like a really high frequency, some sort of signal that, that it emits, right? The the the. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I'm not sure if that was. I mean, they don't. It obviously doesn't show them dying or anything like that. Oh yeah, but like they're okay. Maybe they don't die, but I guess they're they're suffering or they're. Um, well, it's just a lo- as much as you would with any loud noise. Yeah, but I th- I feel like it's like kind of exacerbated in in their case because I guess so. Oh, I don't yeah, know, just, just the way it's depicted. But yeah, they they it emits some sort of signal that perhaps um is what uh the mission that Howl's on is is supposed to investigate, right? Like it they doesn't at the end they reveal when he like reveals like the true meaning of the mission, they're supposed to investigate the signal that was sent out from the monolith. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, yeah. So 
then we, we, we get to the, the third and probably the most iconic sequence from the or kind of act. Like, yeah, everything the, I had seen online about this movie, frames and all that kind of stuff, was from yeah. the last part. Yep. Um, I mean, the, the iconic shot of him going through the... Uh, like the... The hallway thing, right? The like hallway the... thing, and he's kind of like holding on to the... He's got his spacesuit on, he's kind of holding on to the ceiling, walking through, and it's got a really, like... Mm-hmm. I guess ambient lighting in there. I thought the lighting was and really the... cool. And throughout the movie, like the shots of like some of some of the a lot of the cockpits had that like red light over the mm-hmm. pilots. Um, yeah, I think the lighting in space and in the spaceships was like really good, really um, well done. Um, yeah, I think the sound design, the sequence is also pretty notable. Oh, definitely. Whenever he's out and it's just him breathing, and that's like the only sound you get for Definitely. maybe like yeah, I remember that. stretches. Yes, when he's out there preparing like the, um, the dish. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think what else. Uh, oh yeah, and then the music too. Oh yeah, it's There's a very that... it's a very operatic film. Yes. You have that the iconic song. I didn't realize that was like from. All that stuff was like from this. I had no idea. Um, it's certainly like this is certainly like what it's attributed to. I'm not sure if it's from. Well, it. like, if you look at like the theme, is no, not that. I'm oh, just okay. talking about like the theme from this. Okay. Like I didn't so realize that was... that was like from this. Okay, yeah, I didn't. I didn't. I also didn't know that, that was like specifically part of or of or written for like the film or something. Yeah, I just like, think it Jenny just, Waltz it had gotten to the point where it was so iconic that. I just thought it was like its own thing. I thought it was like, I yeah. had no idea it was like a film score a song. And the other thing is like, mm. I it's in so many other things too, mostly ironically, yeah. mm-hmm. um, which I think is kind of funny. Um, but I, I, the most, the one that stood out to me the most was like the theme that plays when the monolith is there. And it's kind of like, uh, there's oh, that yeah, choir. It's, it's very, yeah. And it's very like discordant and kind of like, it's like a, very cacophonous right like it's yes it's almost like horrific yes you'd imagine it playing behind some sort of like terrible horror movie yeah and i think the shining also makes good use of that really like discordant uh like mix of noises but yeah i think uh existential dread i think that's what it kind of evokes just the sense of dread and like you just don't know what what's going on yeah yeah um, I guess we're going a little long. I guess we can talk about the the end end. Yeah, you have well uh there there are like a few more things in this section. You have the intermission, okay. you know, right after Oh uh, yeah, we Brady and I kinda we, we milked that to its full capacity. We were like Brady was like, Oh, I had to go to the bathroom and it was like, yeah. Okay, well let, uh I'll just we stopped for like fifteen minutes <laughs> and then we nice. went back to watching it. Yeah, and that's right. Like, we have to do the... it as intended, and then we came back and played it, and there was still like a minute and a, a minute, two yeah, minutes yeah. where there was just nothing there, and I was like, I would have just let this play if I knew it was gonna stay like this. Yeah, I think this um, this might be one of the only movies I've seen with like a built-in intermission. I think Barry Lyndon also has a built-in intermission, but yeah, I think this might be like those might these two might only be the only ones that I've seen. Um, yeah, like a built-in intermission. But yeah, it's right after they Hal kind of reads their lips. You have that scene that's supposed to be like from Hal's point of view. I can't believe right? they didn't think he was. I mean, he's literally right there, and there's a open like glass thing. Like, how did they not think yeah. he was going to look at the? Uh, I don't know. 
Um, um so we we end we're gonna skip a lot, but I think it's just we're running out of time. Um he the, the one guy dies because Hal kind of why does sabotages he, why him. Why does he throw him into space? Who like Dave? he throws yeah, uh, Dave throws the yellow guy. Like he goes out there to save him, and then he comes back, and then Hal's like, "Okay, I'm not letting you in." And then he ch- like lets him go. He's like, "Well, screw you." I said, "I'm not worried about you anymore." Well, the guy was already. He was already dead. He was already stuck in in space for however long. So, I don't okay. know. There's I mean, no why point, he bringing him back then? I don't know. Maybe like he needed the empty hands to be able to like open the airlock or something right yeah but i mean it was just kind of like he purposefully there's a shot of him purposefully like throwing him into space maybe he because he was sus so the yellow was the imposter the crew members voted him out okay that's enough um but yeah then dave goes back to probably like the most like sorry dave i'm afraid i can't the most climactic scene he's uh about to unplug how and my question for you is you know how sings the song you know like he's he's trying to like plant his his humanity do you think like oh the song that song is all over tiktok oh it's like oh my gosh do you think hal is like actually because okay we, we we've kind of like seen him as an antagonist right like do you think he's necessarily evil? Like, is he, is he murderous or is he yes. kind of just, is he truly like doing what's best for the mission? Like, is he truly, you know, like, do you think he has evil intentions or do you think he's just doing what he's programmed to do? I think he was misprogrammed. I think there was a malfunction and he took the, doing the, the efficiency of the mission too far to the point where, okay, that means kill the crew. There's um, there's a scene where like everything's going fine and he's like oh I think I picked up some sort of transmission. You remember that like like about halfway into the third sequence there's something yeah, happened yeah. he's like I picked up something and then that's when things start to go like kind of downhill. Um, I don't know like do you think he, from the start he knew it was like a, like he was just gonna kind of I have I have no idea but I think it's anything's possible. Um, but I think well, it would at least be at logical. the end. When know. he's when he's singing the song, do you think he's actually afraid of no. of dying? Like, is is he or is he just trying to trick Dave into like kind of imagining him as as a human or like looking into like the human the humanity of? I mean, the first thing I, I I think of is like he's trying to like trick him into like yeah. I think that's the most obvious answer. So you don't think um, he's like actually he experiences emotion or any sort of thing like that? I mean. I don't know. There's no way to really know. I mean, I don't know his like. Yeah, it's Im- it's ambiguous. I have no idea. I mean, I don't know what I think either because I, I I'm there's not enough evidence to suggest one way or the other. There's a lot. It, it's very ambiguous, like you said. Um, so there, are, there are also those early scenes where like doesn't doesn't Dave show how like the art that he creates or something like there there there, there are scenes with art where he's Hal's doing drawings. Kind of, yeah. Yeah, and it's interesting because like art's like a very we attribute as a very a human kind of subjective thing. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I think I think. I mean, you can. You like, can you, I think you like can debate you said, it either way. Yeah, but I mean, like you said, he can mimic human behavior a ton. Mm-hmm. 
and without being fully like conscious. Oh, Wally! Um, I forgot. We have. <laughs> I was thinking of. Oh yeah. The, of Otto from Wally. Yeah. Kind of how like. Oh no! Definitely. Um, but I'm just saying, like he can be, he can seem so human, but not actually be cognizant and conscious of like what's going on, and actually have real feelings. You know what I mean? So mm. no matter so he, how much has, evidence there is, he is malintent. I don't know if he has a bad. Like I don't know. Uh. I don't. I don't. I'm not. Sure. That's what I'm saying. Is I don't know. Um, I, I think there could have been a bug. And his programming that basically made him behave that way. Um, but I'm not so quick to jump on, okay, he's like a fully like conscious be a fully conscious evil being. Because yeah. I, that might not necessarily be I wouldn't be able I am not willing to give a non human entity that much credit, even in a movie. Yeah. yeah. So that's basically what I think. He's certainly very menacing, though, especially no, when yeah. it just got slipped to the red eye. It's, it's a very menacing presence yes. that he has. Um, yes. But yeah, we, we end with the crazy Stargate sequence. The acid trip. Yep, which is, and you have like five minutes of just like footage of like some sort of landscape recolored with different colors. And then which, like going through like, l- like colors going through like almost like, um, I don't even know. I don't even know how to describe it. Like colors zooming past you, and like, like a, almost like a black hole kind of thing going on. Yeah. Again, this is like the closest you'll get to like an acid trip without actually, you know, doing drugs. Which so is, again, it's crazy. Like to me that people in the sixties, you know, got to see this like for the first time. I, I just think that's insane. Is, this is what I said to them: is like it's the sixties. I wonder how many people went and saw this. Like, on oh yeah, shorts. I'm sure. I'm sure. Oh, oh yeah, for sure, for sure. I, like, I, and I, I can imagine. Like, now in 2022, sober, I'm like, what the heck is going on? Imagine in mm. 1969 seeing that high. Just a bunch of hippies. Like, do you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. we were talking about like the uh, unbelievableness of the effects and all that kind of stuff now. Oh yeah. But imagine being back then, like. All, like high off your mind watching this um I've, i heard uh, some people like would like time their trip for the for when it goes to like that ending scene uh-huh and apparently it's like insane um the real geeks by no means are encouraging the use oh no of we do not endorse recreational illegal um, illegal drug use. drugs um we're law-abiding just citizens. get that out get that out of the way um, no. I don't even know how to process anything that happened at the end of this. Hold on, we cut before like the third sequence ends. Don't we cut to like the monolith floating in space? Yeah, it's like it's going like, around Jupiter, yeah. and, the pla- and then the spaceship is there too. And then so like right like before the trippiness happens, to this point. Yeah, and there's like a, a shot of the monolith from the bottom up, and it's just all these like all like the moons or planets or whatever like lined up above it. Yeah. Um, and then and that's then, uh, when it goes south, and then. Now you were talking know. about you were talking about liminal spaces, but this final space is is no exactly as liminal as it gets. Exactly, it's this very very weird environment. The, you can hear like people the walls and in the ceilings. The walls and ceilings are like glossy and futuristic, but it's like filled with like Victorian, yeah, um, art, like furniture, furniture and art. 
and then he's the, he uh, he sees like different versions of himself. But it's almost like when he sees himself, the perspective like switches him. to his, that self. Yep. Um, this is just a very surreal scene. Like he goes uh, in and it's like him in the spacesuit, and then he sees him his old self sitting at the table, and then it switches to the him in the as the old self, and then his the spacesuit self is gone, and then he sees himself in the bed. And then the guy, guy in the chair is gone. And then, and then he sees the monolith. But it's not even the monolith because it's like a bit. It's bigger. It's wider. It's more it's like a tablet. Like, it's like a film screen. It's a no, what if it pans and the, then the, the what, film if it, what if it pans and then he's watching 2001: A Space Odyssey? On oh. what if he's playing among? What if it? What if it's he's playing among it's us? Just, he's playing among us, Bruh. So what is the? Um, oh, and then let's just just to summarize it, then we can finish out with like our thoughts. I'm fine if this goes a little over. Um, so then, at some point or another, it cuts to like the music swells, and then he's like a fetus he's in space. space. The Star Child. And then it. And then it ends. And then it just ends. Yeah. And I'm, I was, I, I, where? And then the, the, the waltz just kicks in. Yeah. And you're like, what? So I don't, I don't even know where to, <laughs> I don't even know what to, I, I didn't, I don't even know what to say. What is the, what either. is, what do you know? Do you not know anything? What is, what are the interpretations um, of this? I think most people think that like, Again, every time Monolith appears, it somehow advances the human race like hundreds of years or thousands or millions or whatever years in the future. Yeah. Um, technologically. So like at the end he touches the monolith and becomes the star child. So he's it's almost like he's When does he touch but he doesn't touch the monolith? It just or he like, shows reaches up out or like he, he interacts with the monolith. No, and in the bed, right? Doesn't he like isn't there a monolith that appears then? Yeah, but he doesn't touch it. Well he he interacts with her, he's in the same space. And then it's like he's like reached some new peak of like human evolution. Like he's evolved into a new species. He's evolved into a f- giant Earth-sized fetus. Yep. And then he'll be sent back to Earth, and then somehow humanity will like evolve into something new. Or I don't know. I think that's kind of like what most people think. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I don't know. So, but what? How but, do you? Exp- so, was all that really happening? Was my biggest question. Oh, I don't think that really matters. Like it's not. None, none of it's supposed to be taken for like realism, right? I know. I was just curious if, like, okay, did he actually get like taken somewhere, or is this like in his head? Well, I is, think like, what I maybe was like. I mean, one interpretation could be he's like he's reached contact with the alien civilization. Like again, just like the monoliths, that space feels like very alien or kind of extraterrestrial. Yeah. So one interpretation could be that, like, in that scene, that's him like in contact with some sort of alien. Uh like area or civilization or something like that because again like that still doesn't explain why there's like three of him well i mean like i guess reality or does just that could be also that there could be a combination like maybe he is with the alien society but he's also like having weird psychological experiences or maybe he just um did too, too much drugs Yes, and don't. This is uh, just why he took you a bad trip. It was like a terrible trip. Uh, a terrible trip to Jupiter. 
Yeah, but yeah, it's it's just it's a very enigmatic ending. Probably probably one of the most like debated or contested endings in a film of all time or something. Yeah. But oh, regardless, gosh. this is a pretty crazy movie. I think it's I, yeah, it's, it's one of my favorites. It's like one of my all-time favorites. Um, probably my favorite Kubrick film too. Not to say his other ones aren't good, but I, um, I won't be able to tell you that until we finish this uh, series. But, oh yeah, I think there there's some other pretty good ones. I, I'm I just looking watched, forward to the rest. I just watched Eyes Wide Shut. And it's like one of it's it's pretty crazy. So, um, but yeah, 2001. I think anyone like remotely interested in in a film or something, I think should watch yeah. it because I think it's, it's very uh, quintessential movie. Yeah, it's operatic. It's it's influ- It's so influential, and it, it's I don't know. You just can't help ahead it, of like, its time. Be... Not even just ahead of it. Not even ahead of its time. It's it like just feels like it's time, time itself. It's beyond timeless. It's like again, it just feels like a movie that like no human could have made. It feels so alien and just extraterrestrial, um, for being a film made in like 1968. So exactly, and then the next year we went to the moon. Again, Stanley Kubrick, man, just he he. What a coincidence! He filmed it, and then and then uh, NASA the was like, you know what? That looks pretty good. Mind if we? Uh... We'll use you. And The Shining, there's a conspiracy theory that like The Shining was his film that was like, or it was like his confession that he like faked the moon landing or something. What? There's there's this whole theory that well, we can, the reason he made, well, yeah, yeah we'll talk we'll about it once we get to The Shining. But, oh. yeah, All this right. is a, a feat in science fiction and one of the uh, a landmark in uh, science fiction cinema and just cinema in general. Definitely. So yeah. Um, with that said, this is a longer one, but um, we're looking forward to um, more parts uh, and more more Kubrick. Um, so we hope that you'll be listening on those and and uh, going on this this cinema journey with us. So journey through journey through. Cinema. The Kubrick verse, the Kubrick into the Kubrick verse. Yes, real geeks into the Kubrick verse. All right. With that said, I'm Connor, and I'm Campbell, and you just wasted the last hour of your life listening to Real Geeks. If you enjoyed this episode of Real Geeks, please be sure to follow us on social media at the Real Real Geeks for the latest news and updates. Also, be sure to leave us a review. What things did you like? What things would you like to see in future episodes? Let us know and we'll be sure to take a look.